We started a craze last week. We started a craze. Well, last to be week. clear, I started the craze. You were just. I cool. just. I'm just here uh, along for the ride. You're just hanging on. Yeah. Hey, uh, welcome to the 23 podcast. The um, Father Herb mustache comeback campaign. We got a, we got a lot of feedback about that. Oh, so that was the craze we started last week. And and I even. By the way, I'm Father Herb. That's Michael. Hello. I even received a picture of the stash. I saw that. I got the same one from the same person. And um, I just want to say it's documented that it existed. It was it was a good stash. It really good. was. <laughs> well, and my, my face was worth looking at in those days. It still is. Just, and I had darker hair, too. Just a, a face that your mother <laughs> that your mother loves. And she did love it. Did she I, not? I Yes, let's say yes. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the 23 podcast. Here we are. Uh, we're not going to talk about Father Herb's lack of facial hair for the entire show today. Well, I thought I thought the craze was when I was surprised that you actually had a beard because the, I work with you every day and I didn't know it. <laughs> uh, you know, the truth is my facial hair is so insignificant and puny that most people will say, oh, are you growing a beard? And I say, I've had this for like three years. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... And, you know, it's people like our former youth minister, Paul, that put people like me to shame because, I mean, that's a beard. In, in many ways. That's, wow. Whoa, that, I'm, getting, I'm getting back to, at you. That hurts. Okay, let's talk about scripture. I need to lift my soul. Well, we are already, can you believe this, already into the third Sunday of Lent. The third, fourth, and fifth Sundays of Lent, we have scrutinies. Do you know what a scrutiny is? I feel like I'm in one right now. No, you're being <laughs> scrutinized. Yes. <laughs> uh, what is I, a scrutiny? It is where, well, we do them every year with the RCIA. That's correct. But what is it? It is where we, I don't know. I don't know. We do it every year. It's, it's often called a prayer of purification. Sure. It's a prayer over the people, the candidates. After the homily, they come up and we simply have some special petitions we read for them. Right. But then there's an additional prayer or two, and at one point, everybody in the assembly stands up and extends their arms, their hands, uh, palms down in prayer over these candidates. Yes. It's a very powerful experience. That's what I was going to say. It's, I it, could picture all of that. It's one of the lesser rites, R-I-T-E-S. Yeah. The big rite, of course, is Easter Vigil when they join the church, or even two, uh, last week, yeah. uh, two weeks ago, when they signed their names in the Book of the Elect. But there's these three lesser rites, and we do we do them at three different masses, mass times, so different people can have a chance. Yeah. This week will be at the eleven o'clock mass. The following week at the nine o'clock mass, and the week after that on the Saturday, five o'clock mass. So everybody gets a chance to pray, to pray over, over them. the this year's candidates. Plus, their photos are in the bulletin this week. It's like one of your favorite things. I, you know, it's kind of fun. I take the pictures. And every year, I did remind them this year. I said, next week, I'm going to take pictures, so come prepared. Well, that was the week we got snowed out. Oh. We did RCI by way of Zoom. Sure. And I didn't want to take pictures on Zoom. You could have just taken a class photo on yeah. Zoom. So, Screen, a screenshot. So we did it this week. And meanwhile, everybody had forgotten. They said, oh, you should have warned us. Oh, <laughs> I didn't do my hair. Yeah. But now it's in the bulletin. It's in the bulletin. We take you as you are. Hey, uh, speaking of mass times... Maybe we should address the fact that change is coming. Change is in the wind. Uh, change is in the wind. Is that a song? I just made it one. You just made it up. Okay. Uh, we are fully aware of two major things. Number one, when we reopened the church, we did not go back to the full mass schedule. And number two. Correct. Uh, 
we have reserved, I shouldn't say reserved, we have restricted the number of people who can come to Mass because every other pew is closed off. So right there, that's cutting 50%. Right. And then there's lateral space be, between you and someone else who is not of your own household in sure. the pew. So really, it's very close to maybe a, a third of the normal uh, number that we could take, say, even last year. And it's been wonderful the last couple of weeks, um, especially, well, really all the Masses, but especially the 11 o'clock Mass, we've just been getting larger groups of people. Lots of people coming back. Families, I, I do children. notice family groups, and that, that counts for a lot of people. Yeah. But it's others. I've talked to some uh, elderly people, and I will say elderly. If they're older than I, they're elderly, and who have Even come back and said, first time back, but we've, had the, we've received the, the vaccine. So they're excited to be back. Sure. All but, wonderful things. So because of that, though, we can only go so far because we still are restricted by space. So we will be adding a third Sunday morning mass. Now, just to make it really clear, we, we are not reinstating everything yet. We do not have children's liturgy of the word. We do not have hospitality. And I know that bothers some people tremendously. Right, Michael? Uh, Don't get my cookies on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, we... we uh, Still don't have the offertory procession or the passing of the basket. You know, we a lot of people have been giving consistently as they come into church or leave the church. Yeah. Uh, so the mass itself is still uh, shorter in length, and a, still a wonderful celebration. That's what I've discovered. If you compare it to what we had before COVID, yes, it's not the same. But if you take it for what it is right now, it's an exciting celebration of Mass. It truly is. And so um, we know that we can put three different Masses in the morning. Yes. And that's what we will be doing. So we'll, have, we'll be going from two to three, which is a 50% increase in capacity opportunity. Sure. And to be clear, this is not a permanent change no, for no, the no. parish. This is what we'll be doing uh, you know, someday, it this might is, be, I'm guessing midsummer to late summer, the uh, restrictions of how many people you can have in space will be lifted. We're considering this like phase three of COVID reopening. Out of about five phases. <laughs> <laughs> right. So here's the plan. It's going to begin on Palm Sunday, which is March 28th. And next week, on the 14th of March, we will announce what the new Mass schedule is going to be. And the reason I'm holding it back a little bit is because I'm also still consulting with the Pastoral Council and a few other things. Sure. And just so people know, you don't just say, oh, we're going to change times. You know, it's going to affect change of times. We have to get publicity out. We have to let people know. We have to make sure there's liturgical ministers. We have to make sure there's a priest who's going to be here. Right. And so all of those things. Uh, so it takes a little time to plan. It's a, it's a good thing to do, uh, but we're asking people if you're coming and you feel a little bit like, oh my, this Mass is getting crowded, both the 5 o'clock Saturday and the 9 o'clock on Sunday are increasing, but not like the 11 o'clock. Yeah. So if you can come a little earlier or go on Saturday, it may also be another opportunity for you. Sure. And I think really... Let's just call it what it is. This podcast has just made the parish so popular that people just want to come to Mass here all the time. <laughs> I hear the scriptures calling us. <laughs> all thank you, all five of you that listen so regularly. No, we got up to six last oh, week. That's right. Remember all six. six. That's it. All right, here we go. Let's dive into the readings this week for the third Sunday of Lent. 
And we are going to leave Mark for a few weeks, and we're in John's Gospel. And John chapter 2. Now, the passage we're about to read, people have seen too many movies about Jesus cleansing the temple, and in those movies, that goes right into Jesus' uh, betrayal, Last Supper, betrayal, crucifixion. Mm-hmm. But this is chapter two of John's Gospel. In, in M- much John's farther Gospel, apart. <laughs> in John's Gospel, it takes place very early, very early. Does this uh, does this appear in the Synoptic Gospels? It does, as well? but later. Is it? Uh, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, it's later. But, yeah, and. This is at Passover, but this is not the same Passover meal that became the Last Supper. So uh, in John's Gospel, Jesus goes to Jerusalem several times. So it's not like one long journey to Jerusalem. He had a timeshare in Jerusalem. <laughs> yeah, right. And just you know, to... it never says where he stayed. Uh, that uh, Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, tune in next week for the rest to, of the story. I was going to try to make a, like an Airbnb joke, but come up with a better, <laughs> a better like, Jesus' time. Okay. Now, game. I will say John chapter 2, verses 13 to 25, is really a couple of parts. So I'm going to let Michael read the part about Jesus driving out the money changers because he wants to do it with a, a lot of drama. Then I will read, I will read the part about the temple itself. I'd like you while I read this to flip the table you're sitting at just for sound effects in the background. I'll just go crash. <laughs> you're on. Since the Passover of the Jews was near, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple area those who sold oxen, sheep, and doves, as well as the money changers seated there. He made a whip out of cords and drove them all out of the temple area with the sheep and oxen and spilled the coins of the money changers, and overturned their tables. And to those who sold doves, he said, Take these out of here and stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples recalled the words of Scripture, Zeal for your house will consume me. At this the Jews answered and said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. Therefore, when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they came to believe the scripture and the word Jesus had spoken. While he was in Jerusalem for the feast of Passover, many began to believe in his name when they saw the signs he was doing. But Jesus would not trust himself to them because he knew them all and did not need anyone to testify about human nature. He himself understood it well. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, there is something in here I've never noticed before. When you read it aloud, you do notice things. It's true. Uh, are (laughs) Are you insinuating I never read scripture on my own? Out loud. Oh, out loud. No. <laughs> oh, so serious. Okay. I was hoping to get a, a laugh out of you or something. Uh, it says he made a whip. Yeah. I'm picturing Indiana Jones in the temple. This is Jesus Jones in the temple of the money changers. Okay. Part J- four. Just wipe that out of your brain. No, just, this is great. No, it's, no, no, it's not. <laughs> he made a type of, uh, I think one of the translations says he made a type of a whip out of the cords. Uh-huh. They had like the, uh, fr- from what I gather, and this may not be perfect because it's little speaks a little bit of the mid, mid, middle ages where they would put big tapestries on the walls. 
but they would have things hanging on the walls. Yeah. And they had cords on them, and it's almost like he pulled down some of the cords and started using it as a whip. Sure. No, it's not Indiana Jones. And, he <laughs> and did then not a have giant a, he, boulder was rolling. Not, and he did not have a fedora. Do, so. do, 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 do Jesus. Do, 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 By the way, that's, that's my alter ego. That, Jesus or Indiana Jones? Yes. See, I thought, that was, I thought you were going to get into this. I knew that. That's, I thought I was setting you yeah. up well. I even have an Indiana Jones hat. Okay, in the homily this weekend, friends. No, because I'm staying with Jesus. Okay, that's I have chosen to smart. follow Jesus. Good for Is you. Is that a phrase from a song? Too? I have decided to follow. Yes, it's uh, called Christ is Enough for Me. Yeah, that's okay. By Hillsong. But let's stay with this. This is the scene. Remember, when I was a kid, I used to think a temple was just a church. And we had a big church, so I thought, oh, can you p- picture oxen and sheep and money, you know, card tables with money in the church. No. But uh, a te- the temple was quite a large space. It would be a, a good city block or more. Really? It had a porticos, uh, little courtyards. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of different space. And so they would go out there. Now, here's the thing. Passover, you had to make a sacrifice. You would have to, to offer something to God. Mm-hmm. Sheep, maybe oxen if you really could. Uh, maybe even doves, mm-hmm. but if you lived in Galilee, would you would you drag your sheep all the way to Jerusalem? No, you would go to Jerusalem and you'd go to the the sheep seller. <laughs> I don't know what they're called. Sheep's are us. Sheep's are us. Sheep's no sheep are us. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> you would go there and you would you would buy the sheep, and then people said, "Well, it's more convenient. We'll just make it available for the pilgrims who are coming." They can buy their sheep right here at the temple. Mm -hmm. And probably they started originally on the outskirts of the temple. And then they moved in a little bit and moved in a little bit more and moved in a little bit more. In addition, they literally had money changers because there were two types of currency that were used. There was the, the Roman currency, which of course had the insignia of the of the Caesar on it, and that was worshipped as a god, so they couldn't use that to pay their temple tax or mm-hmm. anything, so they would have to exchange money. Wow. So they had money money changers, and they had all these things. Now, were the merchants thinking that, oh, we're doing them a service? The answer is yes. Were the merchants thinking, hey, this is going to be good for us? The answer is yes. Sure. So it wasn't one or the other. It was both. And... Most people probably found it to be convenient. They started putting up with it. But my guess is they got a little bit farther inside into the more uh, deeply holy part of the temple. Mm-hmm. And it was at that point where we have to draw a line somewhere. You know, this is interesting because in some ways, as we talk about this, it reminds me a little bit of our story as a parish. Uh, and let me explain what I mean by that. Yeah, because we haven't had any sheep in here. Well, that you know about. Uh, (laughs) You know, when we moved from the high school into the Parish Life Center and we decided very clearly that we were going to have multi-purpose space, you know, space that would be both sacred and used for anything and everything else. All week long, yes. uh, And purposely, you know, leaving the tabernacle in a little side chapel for reverence. uh, So that we could, you know, we could have a blood drive, we could have uh, a dinner or something like that. All of the above. But I do, I did sometimes feel a little self-conscious knowing that this room is both our sacred space 
And even like when I was doing youth ministry, the place where we'd have Nerf wars and kids would run around and act crazy. And then we'd move the chairs around and set it up for mass in an hour's time so that we could do um, something that is literally the most holy thing that we can do as, as yeah. humans, right? And so when we finally built the permanent church, I think one of the things that we kept saying was, wow, it, it's so nice to have permanent sacred space, you know, literally a place for God to dwell in our midst. Well, I agree with that. And I, but I also agree that the, the sacred, the secular and the sacred are not totally opposites. They, they overflow. And so is it acceptable to say hi to somebody in church? Oh, sure. Well, I've had people say, you know, don't do that. You're distracting me. And I want to say, oh, please, you know, we still want to be kind. We're still, we're still Christian. Right. And you, you got to be, you got to believe that at the Last Supper, Jesus and the apostles had fun together. Sure. They talked, they laughed. Sure. Now, I, I'm sure that we can make it too crazy. We don't want to turn it into a circus, mm -hmm. but it is, uh, you can still be human in, in the sacred. Well, it's also a good reminder, and you always explain this so well, of the communal dimension of prayer. You know, that we have two types of prayer. We have our individual prayer, and we have our communal prayer. When we come to church, it's a chance for us to unite communally with fellow believers. It's a different type of prayer. People don't, people think that sometimes that Mass is a lot of private prayer with people just sitting in the same space. Sure. But it is a different form of prayer. It's communal prayer. Right. And you cannot be communal without being community. And you cannot be community without connecting with each other. Right. And the balance, I think, you know, so beautifully, the balance is in the middle. It's not a free-for-all, and it's not silence. Okay, but if I can get back to this passage, <laughs> Jesus is not really just talking about the temple per se. And there only was one temple at that time. You sure. Know, they, they didn't have a temple in every town, that the temple was his father's house. But then the passage that I read, you read the first part. I read the second part where he was talking about himself, mm -hmm. you know, tear down this temple in the three days, you know, the, his own death and resurrection. It's such a reminder that if we're looking at the cleansing of the temple, we're also looking at the cleansing of our individual selves or ourselves as a community. And the cleansing here is basically the stuff that we sort of have learned to take for granted. We accept things that we probably would not have accepted 20 years ago. Um, just if you watch some TV shows, uh, especially comedies, I find them to be so raunchy sometimes, mm. and um, things that would never have been alluded to, and sometimes this is more than alluded, uh, it's, it's right there in your face, which would not have been around a few years ago, but it gradually got more and more accepted. And also, one step further, with the um, coming of age of streaming platforms, you know, shows that are on Netflix or other platforms don't even have to um, adhere to any sort of guidelines. Yeah. So as a parent, sometimes that's scary, knowing that, oh, sure, you know, my kids can watch a cartoon, but if they were to get into the wrong account and click the wrong show... Thank God for parental controls. Um, you just have to be really, you have to be a lot more careful. These you have days. to be very careful. Uh, I think um, that image of the frog uh, boiling in the water yeah. is very apropos. You know, if you take a frog and put it in. You have a frog in your throat right now? 
Yeah, Excuse me, I was, that was for dra- drama, yeah. for dramatic effect. Ribbit. But if if you try to take a, a frog over a, a kettle of boiling water, it will jump out of your hand to go the other direction because sure. it senses the heat. But if you put a frog in room temperature water and then gradually turn up the heat, mm-hmm. it will happily boil to death because it's coming so gradually it, it accepts it. Right. We've done that in many ways morally. We, we find things that we accept today that we would not have accepted and should not have accepted. Yeah. Uh, I think the same thing is true about the, the money changers in the temple. They, they could always quote unquote justify what they're doing. Look, we're doing your service. Yeah. People can justify almost anything if they want to. That is true. I mean, because we always want to spin it to to um, adhere with our beliefs, our values, or making sure that we don't look bad or incorrect. And that is why this passage is used. I think there's two reasons this passage is used during Lent. The first one is what we were just saying. Cleanse our temple, ourselves. You know, cleanse our hearts. Mm-hmm. The second part is about uh, the resurrection. Jesus says, this temple will be destroyed, but I'll raise it in three days. So it's not just like I'm cleaning out the temple, but I'm going to make something better. Right. We've got that alternative. Every week during Lent, it just keeps coming back with the offer of hope. We believe there's something better coming. And I was thinking, too, this is the second week in a row now. We have the Transfiguration, and in this account, it's pointing us to Easter Sunday as we journey through this desert. Yes, we are into the desert. We've been in the desert. We're, we are getting thirsty at this point. Okay, hang in there, folks. <laughs>